Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. good morning. What a morning it's been already, huh? This has been so good. We're going to get into the Word of God. Yay. Uh, we are in John chapter 20. We've been going through this series on the journey to the cross. And uh, uh, the normal timeline, you might say, we've, we've come through the cross and we've done the resurrection last week, which was amazing as well, for those of you who are here. Had a lot of fun hearing your I Have Seen the Lord testimonies. Uh, if you weren't with us, check those out on, on our website from last week. But uh, so we've been through the story from Jesus in the upper room with his disciples to being betrayed by his friend, denied by one of his best friends, uh, accused under uh, Roman torture, and then hung up on that cross, and then arising on the third day. Hallelujah. So now we're looking at the, the moments just beyond the resurrection as we wrap up this series to today and next week um, because the every part of the story means something to us as believers jesus didn't um, endure or or activate one moment that didn't mean something for us today every part of it had purpose I and mean, we were saying about it right um, jesus living life as a man as and as the god man is is the picture of all things God uses uh, for our good. And so, and I really believe, and I don't, won't be able to unpack this today, but I just want to pique your interest with it. As you continue to walk with God in the word, I believe the, the story of Jesus' journey to the cross is a prophetic parable of the days before he comes again um, and what the church will need to stand strong. I'm just throwing that out uh, for, for you to go on a journey with the Lord. But we want to establish ourselves, the reason we've been in this, this series in, and now we're coming through it to the end, we need to establish ourselves in the reality of all that Jesus accomplished for us because it strengthens us in what he has done, it strengthens us in the power of his love for us, and it strengthens us in the power of the gospel. These are all things we need to live in the days that he's called us to live. Amen? So most of, of these moments, you'll notice, um, we're going to be looking again post-resurrection, but even before, most of these last moments were spent with his closest friends, uh, his closest friends. Uh, and most of these significant times, he did appear, uh, if you read the accounts, to a larger group, at least on one occasion, before he ascended into heaven. But the, the, the last, his last days post-resurrection, pre-ascension, were mostly with his friends. Um, so today we're going to look at the, the, the journey that he was on, and um, I wanted to entitle today's message, Encountering the Living Word, because that's what happened, is Jesus came alive as everything he promised made flesh. Everything accomplished in his body. Um, and so I do believe it is the picture uh, in John 20, and we'll be looking at Luke 24 as well, of encountering Jesus as the living word. But um, after Irene's testimony, I would like to retitle the message, he doesn't always come when you want, but he always shows up. Because <laughs> that, that would... Yeah, that's sure. Last time I checked... Give me a couple more months in the sun. No, I'm just saying. Yes, it's the white version. 
Encountering Jesus right where we're at isn't just what we want, it's what he wants. And he shows it so clearly in, in these moments, uh, post-resurrection, pre-ascension. So as we dive into the word of God, um, would you just pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are alive today. You're more alive than anyone or anything we've ever seen. And you are with us even now in this room. Lord, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, you give us eyes to see you even as we pray today. That we would know and encounter the living word today, Jesus. In all of your kindness, compassion, nearness, and power. If you agree, say amen. All right, so if, if we get through everything that I've planned, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today, and that would be really great. Um, if we don't, that's fine too. But we're going to start in John chapter 20. So if you have a Bible, we'd love for you to open there, or if you'd like to look on your device, um, we're going to be starting in verse 19. Um, we also put the scriptures up here on the, oh, they're already up, so thanks, Annie. Um, so I'm going to read a, a portion, we'll stop, we'll read a little more, and we'll just be on this journey. Again, last week we talked, as, as we should, on Resurrection Sunday about Jesus coming out of the tomb, and Je- Jesus uh, appearing really to one person in that, in that moment was, was, was Mary. Um, the other saw the empty tomb, but it was Mary that saw Jesus, and it changed everything. And she said, I have seen the Lord. <laughs> um, so we're kind of picking up the story after Mary has gone back to tell them in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I heard, I've heard someone say, um, after Jesus rose from the dead, he never used a door again, because he is the door, <laughs> which is true. Rachel preached on it last night. Um, but when I, th- and I'm going to read more of this, but it said that he showed, the disciples were overjoyed. But as I read this passage, I think Jesus was the one who was overjoyed. Imagine him coming back to his friends after conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave and appearing in the room. <laughs> of course, he had to say, peace be with you. They're freaking out. But they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, and again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that... Uh, and this is actually sort of next week's message. But with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. All right, we're going to stop there. This isn't where we're landing. We're going we're gonna to land really with Thomas today, which is the next part of the story. But So Jesus shows up. It's, you know, it's so incredible that after doing all that he did, you know, after conquering all that he conquered, he didn't come out in the public square. He didn't run to the synagogue. He didn't blow the trumpet. Your king has come. I've risen from the dead. Bow down and serve me. I mean, he didn't go and magnify himself. He showed up to his friends. And I think this says so much about who he is. Jesus' priority wasn't making much of himself because he has nothing to prove. He knows who he is. And he knows the right timing for what to do when, but his priority was being present to his friends. 
And that should give you great hope because that's you and me. His priority is being present with and to those who will believe. And making sure they knew that he really was who he said he was. That he really did what he said he would do. <laughs> that he had accomplished his purpose and finished the work. So here he is with his friends, hands out, right? See my hands, feel my side. I am the one you watch die, and here I am alive with his friends. It's amazing. And it should show us so much of what matters to him and the why of what he did to be with us and to bring us into life with him forever. And not just us, but all who will believe. And again, I just feel that there's so much joy in him, but so much joy with them. But not, it wasn't just that because he had a plan. You know, Jesus, knowing what the age would be to come post-resurrection, that he wasn't going to stick around. And it wasn't going to do him a lot of good to make much of himself, but it would do him a lot of good to be present to his friends, to prove for them once and for all who he was, that he did what he said he would do, and then doing something more, empowering them with the message, empowering them as witnesses. This was the plan, because he wasn't here to stay in that season. So what does he go on to say? He says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. Now, we could talk a lot about that, but let's just keep it simple for a minute. Who gets to forgive sins? God forgives sins. Jesus did this during his ministry too. He forgave sins. Now, I don't want to go on a, a theology about this, but you should read that and think, but that's Jesus' job exactly. What was Jesus doing? He was commissioning his friends to do his work. He was commissioning them to carry on what he had started in 33 and a half years. Because he wouldn't be here to do the work, but he would be with us to do the work by his spirit. Does that make sense? Jesus' priority is to be present to us so that we can present him to the world. If you ever wonder if he's with you, if he cares about you, if he's present with you, yes, he is. One, because he cares about you. One, because he wants to be with you, because you are his priority. But two, he has staked his claim on presenting himself to the world through you. He has to be with you. He wants to be with you. Do you understand how intimately present he is to you? And that's where we pick up the story again. Read with me in John chapter 20, verse 26. I'm sorry, verse 24. So what happened? We know the story. He, he showed up to Mary in the garden. Mary runs. She tells them what's up. Later that day, he appears to them in the room. But for whatever reason, Thomas must not have been there. So now Thomas, known as Didymus, was one of the 12, verse 24 is where I'm reading, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Stick with it for a second. A week later, now some translations say eight days later, and I just point that out because it's, it's important. But eight days later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Wait, we've done this before. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. I mean, gross, but stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We're going to finish out the chapter. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. John, why didn't you write them down for us? Which are not recorded in this book. Verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe. He's talking to us, right? You may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. We're going to stop there. Do you understand how intimately present with you Jesus is? I don't think it's fair, honestly, that, that Thomas gets a bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas, whatever. Jesus never called him that. You know why Jesus showed up eight days later in that same room? Thomas. Jesus wasn't mad about Thomas wanting to see him. It's almost as if, well, not almost as if, I'm sure that he heard Thomas say, I need to see him. And Jesus said, oh, I'm coming for you, Thomas. I'm coming just for you, Thomas. And I'm going to make sure you stick your hands in my wounds and you will never doubt again. See, I see that he came because he cared. And that Thomas wasn't a doubter. Thomas was grieving. And he was in pain. And it moved the heart of God toward him. Thomas wasn't okay with hearing everyone else's story. He says, I need to see the Lord. Because I really do care about Jesus. And I really have faith that he was the one. I'm not going to be satisfied on your story because he meant so much to me. I need to know. I need to see. I need to experience. And Jesus showed up just for Thomas. I believe also there may be so much more to the story that eight days later, you know, the story goes, it's interesting. And I never uh, I was listening to a podcast this week um, from, I think it was Michael Miller, Upper Room. I think he was talking about this. And, um, you know, how the story of the crucifixion to the resurrection goes is actually very interesting. They, they had to work it around. The Jewish leaders were the ones kind of driving this process. So they had to work it around their holy day. They thought that was their idea. It was God's idea. <laughs> but so, Jesus on the cross, on the eve of Sabbath, on the eve of Passover, do you know what happens on Sabbath, on Passover, what, what happens for Orthodox Jews? They, they can't do anything. There is no work. You can't do anything. This was Jesus' final words before the, the initiation of that Sabbath. It's finished. Did the work. Did all the work for you. And he goes through the Sabbath. Now, now, Jesus was very busy while they were Sabbathing. And the women are like, come on. We want to go to the grave. <laughs> so after the Sabbath is over, they show up at the grave. 
And Jesus is out. Started a whole new story. Started a whole new age. And appeared to them after the Sabbath rest. There's so much to be said in that. But so Jesus finishing the work and leading us into a new and living way, a Sabbath rest for the people of God, coming back to life and initiating. And then would it so be that they were gathered in a room all together? Now they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Okay, fine. But they're in the room. They know Jesus is alive somewhere. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what they were doing. But Jesus showed up. You know what I think happened? That Sunday morning, they had church because Jesus showed up. You know what happened eight eight days later? was the next Sunday. And they were gathered. And Jesus showed up. Did you ever think this is when Jesus initiated what we're doing? This is when it all started? And that we have an understanding that when we come together in his name, he walks in the room. He's with us. He promised he would. You know, there's a reason. I, I, uh, there's, there's several historical account reasons why they might give to, you know, it was a resurrection day, so they changed Sabbath or, or the celebration day from Saturday to Sunday. It's resurrection day. Every time we meet, we remember that he was alive and he met with his friends. He's meeting with us today. Amen? But so he came on the, uh, the next week <laughs> when Thomas didn't skip out on church meeting. He showed up just for Thomas. And he heard Thomas's word, and he showed up, and he let him feel, because Thomas needed to know, because Jesus wanted to encounter him as the living word, and he wants to encounter every other friend with himself as the living word. That's the message. You know, Jesus heard the confession, the cry of Thomas's heart. He wanted to see, and he heard the confession of his mouth to his friends, I must see him myself, and I will believe. And so he, it drew Jesus to him. That longing for him drew Jesus to him. And I think that that's a message for all of us, because I believe many of us have a cry in our heart. And many of us have a confession even of desire to see Jesus at work in our circumstance. And I want you to know, based on the testimony of Thomas, Jesus hears, and he's coming. He will, if he has not yet showed up in that situation, he will. <laughs> May not be when you want, but he'll come. I'm going to get it right. One of these, she's going to help me. Thank, thanks. No one's... You are not more concerned about seeing and experiencing Jesus than he is. Do you see that? When he brought his wounds to, to Thomas was on purpose. One, it's because what Thomas wanted to see. But it's what Thomas needed to experience. And Jesus wants to give you an encounter with himself with the reality of his living presence, where you are intimately acquainted with, as if you stuck your hand in the wound yourself, that you are intimately acquainted with all that he accomplished for you, all that his love did for you. 
he wants to bring you to the place where you can no longer doubt that he cares about that thing. Where you can no longer doubt and hope and, and think, well, maybe not me. Or maybe he won't come to me. Or maybe he doesn't care about my situation. But for every believer, the wounds are for you. The wounds were for you. They accomplished something. And Jesus isn't, isn't content to pay the price and not deliver the goods for you. Whether it be healing or deliverance, or just the nearness of his presence. When you're grieving, the wounds are for you, and he wants you intimately acquainted. So it's not just a good story. It's not just a great idea that somebody else could say, I've seen the Lord, but he wants to show up in your situation. That was the true provision of the cross. You understand that? He paid the price, and he is more committed to fulfilling all he paid for, then you are hopeful to receive it. In fact, <laughs> if you have a faith and a hope that God can, or that he will, and a desire for him to come through, you know why that's there, because he put it there. He put it there as a down payment, as a deposit, I am coming through. He doesn't give us vain hope. He doesn't give us a vain faith. And faith we don't conjure up on our own. When there's true faith on the inside of us, because he himself placed it there as a pound payment and a deposit that he will fulfill. That he will come through. Maybe not when you thought or when you hoped, but at just the right time, in just the right way. And I will say, better than you could hope or imagine, he will show up. He will fulfill. Some things in the great by and by, but I want to tell you, he doesn't leave anyone alone in this age. He came back for Thomas. He will come back for you. It's not like, well, when we get to glory, there's more for you now. If you're still alive and breathing in faith in Jesus, there's more for you now. More than just arriving in heaven someday. There's a reward of his presence every day you breathe. Every day you are alive. And he comes for you, especially comes in the moments of weakness and doubt. And that's really important to hear this story, especially because Thomas gets such a bad rap. I think we like to tell ourselves that, that Jesus is offended when we doubt or when we, when we are weak. Exactly wrong. He's drawn to us in those moments. He comes nearer in those moments and gives proof of his faithfulness and proof of his nearness. And there's a blessing for us to believe. But there's a blessing because he will come and you will see. He doesn't leave anyone out. In some sense, all of us who are here today have the ble a blessing that Thomas didn't have and that he hasn't physically manifested to us in the room. But I would say if you're in the room, he's manifested himself to you in some way. And there will be a day when all of your faith becomes sight. And he will appear and every eye will see him and it will be glorious and it's coming soon. What each of us needs today is encounter with the living word right where we're living. Right, with what you're, right in the middle of our own situation. Sometimes we're so caught up 
in our own situation and so inside of our head or we're so, sometimes we're so entranced and enthralled by the cultural moment we're in that we miss him and we don't realize that he's what we need. But what we need more than anything is an encounter with Jesus, the living word. I'm talking to myself too. In fact, just this week, I was like in my head over so many things and I just felt the whispers of the Holy Spirit surprising, right? It wasn't a profound revelation, but, but saying, open up your Bible. <laughs> now, I do every day. I, in the morning, I open a Bible. I get in the psalm. I talk to the Lord. This was not in the morning. This was in the middle of the day when my head's going. And I heard it several times before I did it, just confessing to you, because you've done it too. It's all good. <laughs> I'm like, where? Okay, fine. You know, uh, sorry, that was like my response. <laughs> and I stopped what I was doing, went, opened up my Bible, and don't at me about this, but I'm not so sure it was about the words on the page. But when I sat down, opened up that Bible, and postured myself before Jesus, everything changed. Like, just right there. I think I was probably just looking at this story. I was like, well, I, gotta, I need to dive into this because I got to preach it anyway, so... <laughs> But it's the posture of heart, leaning toward him, looking for him in the middle of the situation where he shows up. Not just believing the narrative about him, and definitely not listening to the narrative of your own soul or of the world. And I think that's our biggest distraction is what we see with these eyes, or what we hear with these ears, instead of coming to the living word. That's where we miss it every time. We get caught up in what we see. And we maybe even have a Christianized version of what we think we're seeing, but we don't posture ourselves before the living one. We don't tell him where we really need to see him. And then we write all kinds of other fear-based narratives about our situation, about the world. And we get bound up. Or we get doubting. Be like Thomas. Posture yourself towards Jesus. What I need to see right now is him. What I need to encounter right now is him. You know, and sometimes, maybe you're in, even in a season of um, mourning or distress and maybe there are even well-meaning people around you who are trying to give you a report about the Lord. Oh, it's going to be okay. Jesus is going to come through. It's going to be all right. God's going to answer your prayers. But, and that's all great. Hallelujah for people who want to encourage you. But what you need is to posture yourself before Jesus and let him speak to you. Because the moment that person leaves your presence, if you haven't actually heard from Jesus, you're in the same place you were before. If you haven't encountered him in the middle of your situation, heard him speak to you and show you the wounds, what he has accomplished for you, you're still in the same doubt and torment and distress you were before. Thomas was a friend of Jesus. I think you're a friend of Jesus. They'd walked together. You know, Jesus was invested in this relationship, and he's invested in relationship with you. Again, I just want to say this because we, we give Thomas a bad rap. You know, we, we think, 
oh, you know, he shouldn't have doubted or blah, blah, blah. What did Jesus do? Jesus ran over, you know, to, to him in the middle of that because Jesus was invested. Jesus is invested in you. He's invested in your situation. What matters to you matters to him. Now, that's not that he doesn't hear the cry of outsiders, those who haven't walked with him. When they call, Jesus is there too. But one of the greatest lies I think followers of Jesus experience is that if somehow we have a weakness or a doubt or a distress that Jesus is offended and he's going to kind of wait till we get our faith right. And it's wrong. He's way more invested in this relationship than you are. And if you've walked with him, he's invested in you. Think of how you think of your friends. If your friend's in pain, what or you need something, you move everything else to get there, don't you? Well, I had plans, I needed, I'm moving. They need help, I'm coming. Do you think Jesus is any less motivated? He's way more better at being a friend than you are. All right, I wanted to touch on, and I'm just gonna talk about it, um, because I think it's really important and profound, and prophetic, but I've used up my time with lots of words as usual. The story we're going to look at in, in Luke 24 is a story where Jesus appears to his friends walking on the road to Emmaus. Any of you familiar? Just read it later. Um, but it's the same idea. Jesus showed up to them. He showed up, and, and they're in distress about everything that's gone on. Like they're walking along the road. They're talking about what had just happened, you know, in their, in their town, in their city. And uh, you could say they were discussing cultural events. And Jesus showed up. Now they didn't recognize him because he's Jehovah Sneaky. Um, and he's like, hey, what's going on? You know, and they're like, don't you know what's been going on? What are you living under a rock? Don't you know what they did to Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's so funny because he's like, <laughs> now tell me about it. <laughs> Uh, so he's walking with them, they're explaining, and they're in distress, and, and little do they know, Jesus is walking right there with them. And after hearing their story and their distress, and them unpacking the cultural events of the day to Jesus, he begins to explain to them from the word, everything that had happened and everything that was promised, and everything that he was, and suddenly when they break the bread, they're like, oh, it's you. Why do I say that this is important and prophetic and profound right now? Well, there's a lot of things we're talking about culturally right now. A lot of current events making a lot of noise, and a lot of Christians saying a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, I just wonder how many people are attentive to the voice of Jesus walking along the road. Because they think they thought they knew what was going on. Well, don't you know what's going on, Jesus? So funny. Don't you know what's going on, Jesus? Oh, no. Why don't you inform me? Have you ever tried to inform Jesus about current events? That's a joke. Jesus knew about the events before they were events. I think we as, as friends and followers of Jesus in the day that we're living, we can be aware of our cultural events, but we need to be more aware that someone's walking with us. And he has no political persuasion. <laughs> and he's so unfearful 
about the days that are happening right now. And he's so aware of the plan of God right now. You know, it's crazy to me, but what if? You know, because this was like one of the worst days of their lives. They've been following Jesus all this time. And it seemed for a moment all their hopes were dashed. Although they could talk about like, well, they, our friends went there and the grave was empty. <laughs> Just like I said. But they're in what could have been like one of the lowest moments of their lives, and it looks to them like Jesus left the building. But you know what? Jesus wrote the script. No one got in there and, and scratched something out and wrote a new narrative. He wrote it from the beginning to the end. And guess what? He didn't stop when he ascended into heaven. He's written the whole narrative now, we didn't have 2021 written in the scripture, but it was written in the history of God, you know, and 2022 too. And there are many things he's up to that if we'll lean in and be aware that he's walking with us on the road instead of trying to inform him about our circumstances and our cultural events and trying to tell him how everything needs to change, maybe we just need to let him unpack from the scriptures to us. What's happening in the world right now? And when you open up your favorite news app, though I don't recommend really. Take a moment and pause. Jesus, what does your word say about this? What's the living Jesus doing in the middle of this right now? Because I don't want to get caught up in this narrative. I want to see the one with the wounds in his hands and his side, the one that said, I'm coming back just the way I left in the narrative, and find out that whether or not I can see it or agree with it, you may have even authored the circumstances I'm living in. You know, and in that story, as he's walking with them, so interesting to me, because he imparted something to them, his presence, and an understanding of his plan. But you know what he didn't do? Is he didn't change the cultural narrative. He didn't go fix the government before he left. He didn't go write the news headlines before he left. He showed up to his friends. He encountered them with the word. And he said to himself, that'll work. It's enough. Do you believe that it's enough in the world that we're living right now that you know Jesus, walk with Jesus, let him teach you from his word without us having to overhaul the, the governmental systems of the day and the cultural narrative of the day, that him being with us and us be faithful witnesses of him is enough? Because guess what? Jesus says it's enough. Now, side note, sidebar, I have to say it. We are a people of prayer, and we do pray for the kingdom to come in every area, and we will. We're going to pray for our government to be transformed. We're going to pray for our neighbors to know Jesus. We're going to pray for a revelation to come to the hardest of the darkest. You know, and that, that the Russia will repent and salvation will come to those nations. That the, the hardest, darkest leaders of, of North Korea can come to know Jesus. We're going to pray that the presence of God does his work. And then trust him to do it. But in the meantime, when it's not doing what we think it should do, to understand that knowing Jesus and having him encounter us in the word day by day in our situation and in our cultural moment is enough. That it's enough to get us to where he needs us to be. It's enough to prepare us for his return. And it's enough for him to be victorious on the day he arrives. It's enough to know Jesus today. 
It's enough to have the encounter of his presence. And we must have an encounter with the living word today and tomorrow and in your hard situation and on your good days. You need to see Jesus. You need to hear Jesus. And every once in a while, you just need to set all the other stuff aside and you need to go sit on your couch and open up your Bible. Even if you don't read it. (laughs) And let him speak. It changes everything. Let's stand. We need to wrap up. Garrett, if you will come. I want us to take just a moment and respond. I, it's been an amazing morning. Went longer than I expected. Um, but I want us to give us a moment to respond. You know that Jesus is so involved in your life. But he's also so involved in the affairs of the world right now. He is not absent from the public square. He is walking with us on the road, just like the disciples going to Emmaus. And he is here to give us understanding, to give us revelation in and from his word. We want to walk as faithful friends of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being the friend of all friends, of calling us to yourself, of using every moment and every circumstance as an opportunity for us to meet you. We thank you for your kindness, for your nearness, and for your presence. Just as we're here in this moment of prayer, I just want to ask, are you a friend of Jesus? If not, he is coming to you today with pierced hands to show you the extent of his love and to bring you into friendship with him. I want to encourage you to put your faith in him. I don't know everyone in the room, and I'm not going to call you out, but if you want to walk with Jesus, all you have to do is believe that he is who he says he is. Turn away from living for yourself. And turn to walking with him today, and he will meet you today right where you are. Just receive him today, if that's you. If you've already been walking with Jesus as a friend, like Thomas, I want to tell you, whatever's going on, he's heard the cry of your heart. And he is going to touch you right at the point of your need. And if you have not yet, as Thomas did, expressed out loud what you need from Jesus. I would just encourage you to do it right now. Just as a whisper before the Lord, tell Jesus how and where you really need to see his presence. How and where you really need to see the evidence of his goodness. I want to give you a minute right here to do that. It doesn't have to be loud. Would you just express it out loud? Let your confession and your cry be the magnet that draws him nearer to where you are right now. Just express it to him. Honestly, what are you walking through? What's got you tied up? Where are you needing Jesus? Tell him right now. He longs to respond to you. Just going to give you a moment. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Jesus. We need you every hour. We need you in the sun.
just want to tell you he's coming. He's coming. He's coming into that space. He's coming into that cry even now. And just before we wrap with a song, I just want to pray for us. And if you're willing to receive it, I want to pray that the Lord will give us a spirit of revelation in this hour. The word of God would be made alive to us concerning what's happening in the world. If that's your prayer, you desire to walk with him and let him expound to you his plans in this hour. Just put your hands before you like you're receiving it. Lord, we ask as your friends and your people in this hour of history that you would grant us a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom concerning the events of our day. Would you walk with us? Would you talk with us? God, would you expound upon your word to us in ways we've never seen before, that we encounter you as the living word of God, that you'd give us, as you promised, your friend Daniel, an opening of revelation for the hour that we live in, that you'd unlock things that have been locked up to us before, that you give us the revelation that empowers us to walk faithfully, God, without fear, with courage and boldness, and to be witnesses of your living power, your living grace. God, we thank you for it. We receive it by faith. God, I pray for every believer in this room, God, to be a person who walks in revelation in your word. God, that receives understanding of the times you are living, that, that every single one of us would have the experience of Jesus walking with us in this cultural moment. That never again we would be given to a spirit of fear, but we'd have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. We trust you, Lord, as the creator. We trust you as the artist, the one who works all things together for our good, even when we can't see it. But we're trusting you. We're believing you. Show us your ways in this season, Lord, we ask. Let's sing this together as we close. You make all things work together for my future and for my good. And you make all things you are at work, Lord. Work together for your glory and for your You're near name. to us, God. You You're near to us, things. God. Work together Your spirit is moving for my future kindness is with us and for my good and you make all things work together for your glory oh and for your name you make all things yes everything work together Even. for my future was meant for evil, you turn for my good, and you make all things you're working, work together for your glory and for your name. Yes, Lord, we believe you, we trust you. Lord, and I just pray once again, God, that you would be found present in our present. God, I think you would use us as your people to present your reality to the world around us. God, that every person in here would be a witness of your kindness, of your presence, of your power, and the good news that is you, Jesus. Thank you that you're walking with us today and every day. We will walk with you, Jesus. If you agree, say amen.
Amen. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to bless you in a second. But if you have...